You're listening to Packers Talk Network. PackersTalk.com do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. Welcome to the Packers Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Miles Tedick, joined by your co-host, Tim Hamilton. We are part of the PackersTalk.com network, coming at you every Monday night now, 9.30, streaming live. We are diehard Packers fans. We're just getting here talking about the pack, having some fun in the offseason now. We're not getting into national sports media headlines or any of that nonsense. We're just going to get into some real football. So, uh... Dive in with us. We no longer have games to talk about. We are in the full swing of the off season, so we're going to sort through all the the rumors and and the different things that are starting to pop up. We got a little bit of breaking news tonight, but if y'all want to support the podcast, please spike that like button for us. Follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the stuff, uh, and subscribe to that Packers Talk YouTube channel. Those things make a big difference for us, and they only take a couple seconds. So hook us up, folks. And uh, Tim, good evening, sir. I believe you swung in here with some breaking news. Is this true? Good evening, yeah. So um, shortly before we're going live here, Packers have a strength and conditioning coach, which is going to be most likely the last major staff hire of the offseason. Um, his name's Aaron Hill comes from the 49ers. He spent five years there as the assistant strength and conditioning coach. Previously to that, he was in college. Um, he was an assistant strength coach at Vanderbilt and he's 33 years old. Besides that, I can't tell you a whole lot about him yet since it's breaking news. Um, and we really don't know exactly what they do as far as how it affects players on the field. Um, we know they train them and we know, Coming into Green Bay, it's pretty obvious that LaFleur wanted to make some kind of structural change within the strength program. And, you know, we're all guessing that it's due to all the soft tissue injuries, like the hamstring injuries that Watson and Eric Stokes suffered throughout the season. So got to think that's one of his biggest tasks is coming in and figuring out a way to limit these soft tissue injuries. And hopefully he's the man that can do that job. Um, But as far as his background, that's about – what we know right now he's he's young so he'll definitely fit in with the um players he'll be coaching and young day. he's a senior citizen in that locker room man. <laughs> it's true 33 he's got 33. kids these guys are like what i'm <laughs> still learning about paying my taxes here yeah yeah so he comes from san francisco so another san francisco connection which i guess we shouldn't be surprised at this point um but yeah hopefully Hopefully he can get to the bottom of uh, the recurring injuries that they've had over the last couple of years with hamstrings and, and the other soft tissue injuries that we've seen. So, yeah, welcome yeah, we'll aboard see. Aaron Hill, and hopefully it's the start of something you know, positive, a step in the right direction for the health of the team. Well, I think in most off-seasons for most teams, that's a pretty relatively low-profile hire 
Um, this team and this offseason specifically, I think all eyes are on this hire at this point. Um, certainly because of the Christian Watson uh, hamstrings, but the rest of the, the soft tissue injuries. I mean, even Aaron Jones, um, whatever the mystery is that David Bakhtiari has become, not that we can blame that on the strength and conditioning staff. Some mm-hmm. things are definitely outside of their control. But, yeah, um, yeah as far as the rest of it goes – it's going to be interesting. It, I, you can't be surprised. He took somebody from from the Forty ers uh, He Lafleur is very comfortable pulling from his personal network. So live and die by that, I guess. Right, and hopefully we're living by it. You know, um, he's certainly not unaware of these issues. So you got to believe that that was part of the hiring process for sure. Um, and then there's all sorts of research happening down there in Madison with Christian Watson and uh, some of those guys. So. They're on top of it, right? If there can, if there's something that can be done about hamstring injuries, it seems like they are doing it. Um, so hopefully that's the case, okay. and this guy is on board with uh, prevention programs. I think that's going to be the big deal, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, you know. yeah, and developing too. I mean, yeah, they're such a young team, and the coaches talk about it. Everybody talks about making second year jumps or young players continuing to make progress. Well, this is part of it too. Is like how they're trained, how their bodies are set, and you know, what they're expected to do when they're away from Lambeau and then what they're, what they're trained to do when they're at Lambeau. So right. like getting their bodies up to NFL standards and keeping them there, getting the most out of them physically, that's part of his job too. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, what the, what the younger players, like how they look now going forward from a physicality standpoint. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be very interesting and, and very crucial time. Like you're saying, like these guys, you can take a huge leap forward with the right program. And I think that you kind of hit on it right there is it maybe it isn't even about what you're doing while you're there. What are you doing when you leave? You know, what's the the guidance around that? Um, How are you, you know, coming back into the swing of things when you're coming um, back into training camp or coming into mini camps and these things after not having been around the facility, if you haven't, I think those things are going to be very, very important. Um, You know, Time will tell, um, but at least this seems like the last piece, right? I think that the puzzle's complete as far as the staff goes. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, maybe there's some kind of like quality control coaches or something like that, but you would think this is the last major piece. So any day now, maybe they'll start announcing some of these coaches officially. Maybe we'll get to hear from them. You know, I would. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be cool to hear (laughs) if Hathley has to say about what his defense is going to look like. You know, maybe yeah. LeFleur can speak on it too and speak on, you know, why he made the change and why he went in the direction he did. So I would hope so. Um, you would think so. But, yeah, um, this should be the last major piece unless something changes. Yeah, yeah. So at least we've got that. We know kind of what's going on here and, and who it is, and we can start digging into those things. We'll we'll, uh, we'll try to have a little bit more information about uh, the new strength and conditioning coach next week, if there's you know relevant information to have, he's a pretty young guy. He's probably doesn't, yeah. doesn't have a huge resume, um, but the 49ers did pretty well uh, in the last couple of years. I think with health, um, were there any big glaring injuries? I think Bosa was hurt last year. Wasn't that a big? Yeah, one? I mean he's a guy that gets hurt a lot, and sometimes it's you know he tears an ACL. I know he tore an ACL. I don't know if that was last. That might have been two years ago, but. I don't know what your strength coach can help you do if you tear an ACL. Like that's not to me something that they're going to prevent necessarily. And yeah, you know, 
there's only so much you can do there. right jimmy garoppolo was there at court and he always had injuries but he had him with the raiders too and it's you know that's he's just an injury prone dude so yeah i mean I, off the top of my head especially this season they were a pretty healthy team throughout the playoffs you know yeah so yeah it's a, it's a good sign and they're a physical team they're a team that's pretty big and they play a physical style of football both sides of the ball so and Christian comes, McCaffrey takes a beating as much as anybody yeah. in the league, and he's he's doing okay. He's they, a freak. Uh, well, let's be clear. <laughs> but he is, but like something right in Carolina at the end, he was getting hurt a lot. He had some that's true there towards that's the end. true. Now, I about that. since he's been in San Francisco, they've been able to keep him healthy. That's so. a good point. I, I actually did forget about that, um, and yeah. maybe folks who had him in fantasy didn't forget as quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but. No, that's that's a good point, man. So I, at the very least, you can say that what they're doing over there in San Francisco isn't bad. Um, so this guy having access to that uh, at the level that he did, being the assistant strength coach over there, um, he's probably bringing some good ideas with him. But, you know, they didn't hire him because he's a bad candidate, right? At least that's what we think. Now, that's because okay. of Joe Barry, we all have to, like, double-check that. But <laughs> yeah. um, no. Let's see. So, I mean, hopefully some he's young. Maybe he's got some new – new age ideas that they haven't had there and you know yeah. you can bring in new philosophies for how they're training guys and get keeping guys healthy there's plenty of information out there these days no shortage of that yeah there sure is but, well so in other off-season updates we wanted to jump into the free agents specifically the packers free agents you want to go down that list and just sort of like give our take on who's staying and who's going yeah so it's kind of news it, it's not big news or anything like that but it, it is news the last couple of days so they had three pending free agents Keyshawn nixon um yash nyman and darnell savage who had void years tacked onto their deals there were void there were um dates for those voids to kick in which ended up being i believe sunday or monday of this week so once they weren't extended then that those void years basically came due. So now they have dead money on their cap. And I think it's around 9 million combined for the three of them. So whether they bring them back or not, and they still could bring them back. But as of this point, there's $9 million worth of dead cap space for those three players. And this ties into the whole, what they were doing for a few years, kicking a can down the road by extending contracts, putting void years in so that they could have cap space in the present time. Why they were like, damaging future cap space so this is part of that coming due doesn't rule out any of those guys coming back it's just that whether or not they come back or not that dead cap money will still be there so um but yeah i mean we can start with to me i think the the two big ones are Keyshawn nixon and darnell savage yeah um, i think a lot of that's going to be tied into what they decide to do with the defense and how they see those players fitting in um, I think Keyshawn Nixon has a chance, you know, obviously they like him as a kick returner, but I think if they're going to hate to me, it comes down to financials, obviously like he made 4 million bucks in 2023. I can't see them paying that if he's not going to be their starting nickel again. And yeah. if, if they go into it and say, we want to get better at nickel, then the only way he's coming back is if he's cheap as a return man and like a depth nickel cornerback you know or a guy who's got to compete to be the starter again if they got to pay him four million or more i don't see it happen unless they really unless they really like him at nickel and i don't think his performance was good enough last year where where you can just hand him that job again um yeah and 
I Go mean, ahead. he's he he brings some leadership to the locker room, and I think that that's one thing that I you know what I said when this all happened, when this date passed, and we saw that you know I think it was Ken Ingles spelled out how much they could have saved by extending these guys, and they didn't. So that's usually an indicator that they're on their way out. My question with Goot right now is how much does he value that leadership in the locker room, that chemistry? Could, you know, with, with trading Rasul Douglas, that was a big one. It's like, man, why would you do that? Um, he's obviously not going to acknowledge the, you know, the fun third-round curse that we've all been talking about on Packers Twitter. Um, a good GM wouldn't. But at the same time, just like, dang, dude, like that's all Rasul Douglas is worth that, that leadership. And, and, you know, again, the people in the room, the people in the building knew something that we didn't because everything turned around after that. But, you know, now you get the, the off season press conference from Goot after the season. We're wondering, all right, is Aaron Jones coming back? Well, he kind of threw that out there. Yeah, we want him back. All right, cool. Well, check that box. He maybe does value that, that, that leadership, you know, and then Keyshawn Nixon is another one who he's got a pretty, strong leadership presence in that locker room, how much is that worth? And I wonder how much that's worth to other teams and how much the Packers are saying, look, we'll let this fly. We're going to, you know, we'll pay the dead cap money. And, you know, if you don't get a better offer and free agency after the draft, bring them back. You know, it's one of those pieces where um, maybe you'd rather have a, a preferred returner come out of the draft. Or certainly would rather have a preferred nickel come out of the draft. Um, so that's what I, I wonder if he's just sort of the, the Packers are slow playing it to see what they get in the draft. And then how badly do you need that returner? Cause I, I think his return skills are, are valuable. Like you, you need that to some extent, but to what extent is the question? Yeah. Like if I think they could get him for 2 million, that's where I, I, like, I yeah. see them doing it. But for 4 million again, I just don't see it unless they really like him at nickel or halfway says, yeah, like I can do a lot of stuff with him. He's value. Like I'll make him valuable. Yeah. Then maybe, but even at 4 million, I, I don't know. I don't think he had a good enough year to get that kind of pay again. I want to so interrupt this conversation for just a second. Cause I'm appreciating what we're talking about. And I, I want to draw attention to a comment that we have here from uh, NFL outdated, a, uh, a very well known Packers troll on Twitter, actually. Um, his comment is, this is sad when it's refreshing to hear Packers content as opposed to the toxic Caleb Williams debate. So I just wanted to draw attention to this Packers fans, like how nice it is that we're sitting here having a drawn out conversation about will we bring back the kick returner or not? Um, and maybe we'll upgrade the nickel position. (laughs) You know, we're not talking about, we're not talking about a quarterback. We're not talking about a top five pick or a top 10 pick or, Anything like that. So I just wanted to, you know, just take a little breath of fresh air there with Andy. Appreciate you, sir, with that comment. Uh, he's got an excellent um, excellent following on Twitter. He's, he's actually a fun Bears fan to engage with. But uh, he certainly hit some buttons for some Packers fans, I think. <laughs> oh, man. And then um, back to uh, off-season updates. we got a couple other questions that we'll get to in just a second but while we're talking about Packers free agents and that date passing and what would keep Keyshawn Nixon or not um that does seem pretty significant that they you know my comment was they're usually right when they move on from players like this you know and I I would prefer to see Savage come back I really I wanted to see him and Nixon but the Packers being what ready to move on with this it's like how do I argue with it you know well yeah 
and but the one thing to point out too, they had the same scenario play out before with Tunyon and with Devondre Campbell, where they had dead money hit, and then they ended up re-signing them. So yeah. like, still, they could bring them back. But Savage is a good one too. Like to me, his play hasn't justified another contract, but I don't also don't think he was used properly, and and his talents were taken advantage of in Joe Barry's system. So where do they see for him in the new defense? Like. Does Halfley have a role for him where he could plug him in and, you know, get that potential out of him? Maybe. Um, he was a first-round pick. He was a Goody first-round pick. So I think Goody would prefer to keep him. But he's had five years now. Like, this is kind of who he is. I could see him coming back on, like, a cheap one-year deal where they kind of, like, it's a prove-it deal. Here, we're going to plug into a new, new defense. We have a role for him, you know, and if he – if he succeeds, then he can make more money next year. Cause I don't see there being much of a market for him in free agency with people lining up to pay Darnell Savage. So I think it's possible. Um, but it's going to really have to be at the Packers price for them to, to bring him back at all. If they're even interested. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, it seems like this move is about is, you know, we'll see what the market has to say, but they have so much draft capital. They've got to be sitting there thinking, we're either coming out of the draft with 11 players or we're coming out with, you know, some higher quality players at choice positions at that point, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and still a handful of draft picks when you're hitting on seventh round picks on a regular basis at this point, it, you can't really, you know, write off any of them. Um, and, and that's not an exaggeration, right? You got Carrington Valentine, you got Rasheed Walker, I mean, two yeah. right there off the top. I know I'm forgetting another one. Um, it's just it's incredible that you're hitting on seventh round picks like that. So, yeah, you really do have to look at every single player that comes out of the draft right now and going, all right, where's this guy fit? Does he really have a chance of making this roster? And we've heard them talk about that before. Like you, when you're looking at it, you're looking at it as like, where does this guy fit, and and does he fit that mold? Um, if I can give a little bit of a teaser for for some future draft talk that we're going to have after the combine. Um, I was watching a Steve Smith uh, Jr. video, and I was watching him talk about how they're evaluating uh, the receiver speci position specifically, but I think that this happens um, at probably all the positions. And he was specifically talking about how receiver four on a roster is evaluated. And, he, and it's completely different from one through three. And the reason being is one through three is ZXF. Four has to be all of them. Right, he has to be able to actually plug into each one of those. The reason I bring that up is you're looking at that at your draft class right now, thinking the same thing. Right, you're evaluating guys, and a guy might be there who's a receiver two. You don't, ha you, you can't. A receiver two is not going to make this roster right now. Right, like so, you you can't look at that as a potential to draft. And we'll get into that again. We're just kind of teasing some future draft talk there, but it was I thought a really relevant point and how they're probably evaluating the entire off season roster right now. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think you know, bringing it back to Savage, it's like that's a spot on the roster at safety where they really don't have guys. Like it's right. a huge need. And I know we're two months out from the draft. But I feel pretty confident they're drafting a safety within the first, most likely within the first couple of days. And I think if if they make a play in free agency, I could see them going after safety too. So do you bring Savage back on a cheap deal, pay somebody at like a mid-level in free agency and draft somebody? 
or, you know, you keep Savage, get a free eight. Like, there's different scenarios to play play through, but I think what it comes down to is the only way Savage is back is if it's at the Packers price and they really have a, a starting role where he can be an impact player. Um, right. They feel confident of that. and But based on past performance, I don't know how you can feel comfortable in that. But, now here's here's something I will say, and and I said something similar when they traded Rasul Douglas. You know, I was pretty frustrated by that. I didn't like that trade. <laughs> you couldn't yeah, tell either. yet. <laughs> but I, I remember, you know, I, I said, look, if I have to, if I'm forced to give an optimistic perspective about this trade, like if I'm if I'm the GM, and my most optimistic perspective is, hey, look, Rasul's a good player, but there's a good player behind him that might be better. We need to get that guy some playing time right now. Whenever we're in free fall, and and I think it, you know, obviously you look at the compensation too. But they knew something about Carrington Valentine that we hadn't quite seen yet, right? We've seen flashes of it. He had a pretty good preseason, um, yeah. but you didn't you didn't know really what you had. And that kid stepped in. He's ready to play, man. He's got this. I mean, he he basically looks like a, a copy and paste Jair Alexander. It's awesome. I love, love the attitude being on both sides of the field. Um, and so in this case, I would say in, in letting a Darnell Savage go at a position where you really, you need players there and he's an experienced guy. Again, they know the people in the building. You got Anthony Johnson jr. There, maybe they know something about him that we don't know. Um, and at this point, there's no reason they would give that away. Right. No, this is the part of the off season where you're in the fog of war. Everything a GM right. says kind of has to be questioned at this point or rumors, all that stuff. It's all being floated out there intentionally by agents and media. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But again, it's, it's safe to assume that the guys in the building know what they have the best. And you haven't heard much about Anthony Johnson Jr. Not bad, not great because you haven't seen him. He hasn't been on the field, but you, if he's not good, eventually you start to hear that or you see it. It, it's, it sort of shows itself. Um, so I'm wondering what they think they have there. I think that plays a, a big factor in the rest of it. Yeah, that's a good point. He may definitely have something there. We don't know. We haven't seen enough of him to say. So he's in the mix and certainly should continue to be in the mix all off season in the training camp. And I, I look at it too, like at safety, just force yourself to get better there. Like, you don't have Absolutely. to go back to Savage again and say, well, we know what he is. We think he could be a little better in this new defense. Like, for, just get better. Like, get exactly. somebody. Just give it a shot. You, you did that at receiver. You did that at tight end last year. Like, uh, let go go get younger and through the draft and force yourself to get better there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I think that you can, again, this is the luxury that we have as Packers fans right now to discuss these things. You can pretty much say that at every position. Um, and that is something that in this offseason we should be braced for. And we talk about this a little bit, uh, Tim. Um, <laughs> this could be the year they take a receiver in the first round, y'all. <laughs> it would be um, quite ironic uh, that yeah. – after years upon years of Packers fans begging for a first round receiver, the one year that you're looking at the receiver room and going, you probably don't need one. You might get one. Um, and, and so that's definitely all on the table. Like, so we're going to get into some of that later in different episodes, but 
Um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to look at this stuff and speculate on it. it it's it's just fun to think about. But um, other off season updates. Any any that you have top of mind, Tim? No, I mean I think it's been you know we're since they hired Halfley and some of his assistants, it's been quiet. Now we have a new strength coach. So yeah, I don't think there's any other key points. It's, you know, kind of that in between where we're not quite at free agency The draft is still a couple months away. We haven't even gotten to the combine yet. So it's kind of like that you're waiting for something to happen time. Um, you know, there's some other free agents out there that are interesting to think about, but I think, you know, the ones we touched on Savage and, and Keyshawn Nixon are the two big ones. Um, you know, Yash is out there, Yash Nime, and I don't think he'll be back. I think he's had his chance and hasn't been able to take a hold of a starting job. Now they do need depth along the offensive line, no doubt, but I don't see him bringing him back. I think A.J. Dillon's an interesting one because I could still see scenario where they bring him back um, to be that number two running back, but I almost kind of feel like, you know, if it's if it works out financially for a year, fine, but regardless, you got to you got to draft a running back or two because you got to start planning for the future. And, um, you know, I, I think we've seen what AJ Dillon is and he's not a bad player. He's just, he's a, he's a number two running back. Um, so you, you got to hope that you can draft somebody that can step up and, and be better than him. And I think that's, I think that's what they got to do is get younger and take a shot on somebody in the draft. Yeah. That was my take on it too. You know, there's a lot of folks that, really like AJ Dillon and want to sort of imagine a scenario where he stays. And I just don't see it. Um, he's, I mean, upstanding dude, right? Carry the G all that. Um, King of door County. I think he got the key to the city or something like that up there. Like, um, he's the man, uh, as far as his character goes, uh, you couldn't ask for a better Packer, but you know, in the moments on the field where you wanted to see him kind of dominate, you know, especially when Aaron Jones was was down injured, he just didn't. You know, he, he I think, demonstrated a little bit of a lack of vision. Um, that you were able to see Aaron Jones, he, he the way he took advantage of, of certain gaps in the offense that just Aaron, uh, A.J. Dillon just didn't or couldn't. Um, and and it's, it's unfortunate. You know, you want to see him step up and sort of command that next contract. Um, whereas, you know, it's an interesting situation because going into this season, you probably assume Aaron Jones would be on his way out and AJ Dillon would be on his way up to, you know, RB one status. Um, whereas Aaron Jones is the one who I think played so well that the Packers have to keep him. Um, he really demonstrated, I think this year, a, a kind of a step towards greatness as far as, you know, the franchise level is concerned. Um, and even NFL wise, like he's starting to rack up some stats that are incredibly impressive. Um, you know, we won't get into all of that right now, but we did uh, tweet some of that out, so you guys can go back and look at it. But it, you know, he's he's starting to get up there with some real names, and he does this another couple of years. You're really talking about uh, a Hall of Fame running back, you know, get it, especially if they win a championship. But um, yeah, so to me, Aaron Jones forced them to bring him back, and A.J. Dillon almost gave them permission to not, right? In those moments where he, he wasn't able to to sort of step into the running back one role and, and, and take it over, um, it does. It sort of grants them permission to say, mm, I don't think we're going to give you the second contract. 
Um, and the biggest thing in that is the success of the young running backs in this league. You see guys like Isaiah Pacheco get drafted in the seventh round, and then he's the starting running back for the Super Bowl champion uh, Chiefs. You know, and that was last year. Right? <laughs> he's still that guy, but he was a seventh round pick, and he was good enough to win a Super Bowl as a rookie. So when you've got guys coming out like that, even Aaron Jones was what a fifth or a sixth round fifth. pick. Yeah. Right. You know, you've got guys coming out in the fifth, the sixth, the seventh round that are as good as you, as you can get in the NFL. Um, <laughs> now, granted, you obviously have the Christian McCaffrey's of the world that it's like, yeah, you better take him early. You know, that's the obvious one. Um, uh, Bijan Robinson, right? And hopefully Atlanta figures out how to use him. But yeah, when you can get that guy. In the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you just don't sign an AJ Dillon to a second contract. You don't need to. It, it's it's you're going to save money and maybe get a better player with a rookie. Yeah, I just I feel like he's had his chances to take yeah. take hold of that job. Maybe not the number one job, but to be like that one B. Yeah, and he just never could take advantage of it. Yeah, it, and it, you wanted it to. I, we were all rooting for him. You know, yeah, you, you feel that. But it's just absolutely. It, if you put your GM hat on, it doesn't make a lot of sense to bring him back. Um, so that's where I would say, you know, that's where it's at. And on the other hand of that, too, for anybody who's rooting for the Packers to sign a, a free agent running back, I wouldn't <laughs> – I, I would not count no. on that at all. <laughs> no, I don't think they would do that unless I, – I don't even – unless they I don't see so it. desperate and they, you know, league minimum. Yeah, I, I don't see them spending any kind of real money on a – on a running back in free agency. It's going to be draft. Yeah. I mean, as, as cool as it would be to, you know, see Derrick Henry in a package uniform, it's just not happening. No. You're not spending that kind of money on a running back. No. Not, especially not when you have Aaron Jones at running back one. Um, right. But, yeah, so that's just not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, you know, other uh, offseason updates, there was, there was a buzz around Packers Twitter the other day that, you know uh, – David Bakhtiari is probably on the way out. And look, we're sitting here, we're speculating, we're having a good time giving our opinions here. That's what they are. We don't have any inside sources at Lambeau or anything like that. Um, Matt Schneidman did the same thing, right? He's just got a different outlet, a bigger one. Um, but he gave his take on what he thinks will happen. And, you know, he's got information for why he thinks that will happen. But that doesn't mean... That's what's happening, right? And so people took that and ran with it. So David Bakhtiari, right? Like, he is a, a an interesting case. But I've got to I've got to at least take this opportunity to say, if he is healthy, you are in you are nuts to want to get rid of him. You're you're crazy to not want that guy when he's healthy. And Rashid Walker, whatever, like Zach Tom, the line will shuffle. They know how to do that. But you're talking about all-time greatness at left tackle when the guy's healthy. Now, that is the biggest stinking question mark of the offseason. Nobody knows what his injury is. Nobody knows, like, what is going on there. So it's a huge question mark that's easy to say, well, yeah, he's probably not going to be healthy, so get rid of him. Okay, fair. But you're not any closer to that or knowing that than we were – the you know the day of the Super Bowl right like nothing has happened nothing's going to happen you've got to see if he can report to training camp so I wanted to say that um it, it's just like I opened up Twitter yeah. and I was like oh my gosh well, they're I losing think, their minds right it's it's a slow time people are looking for anything 
to you know any yeah. kind of news out there and somebody takes it on twitter and makes it as like this report that this is happening and the original story if you actually read it wasn't a report it was it's a column it's yeah. speculating on like hey there's a good chance they do move on and here's what would happen if they do it i read the article days before that tweet went out the other day and it was you know it was a normal kind of article it was nothing where i was like breaking news or anything not at all already know and and then it becomes this big thing on twitter because somebody aggregates the the news and puts it out there as a real report so no we don't they haven't made that official or anything i expect that they are going to move on and it's a shame because he's a great packer and i would love to see him healthy and finish his career as a packer but he just hasn't been healthy in three years um and you know who knows if he's going to be in the future. And I think even if he is going to be healthy, you got to look at his contract, his age, and the fact that they discovered Rasheed Walker as a seventh round pick who's making a rookie contract. And it's just, it's not the Packers way to pay a guy who's been injured for three years, huge money, why they have a starting left tackle who they just drafted two years ago in the seventh round. Like they're the Packer way is to move on from that guy the aging veteran you know it it sounds you know it it doesn't sound good on a personal level but that's just the way they do business and that's what it is and you know it sucks for Bakhtiari the knee I mean obviously his knee injury changed the course of his career he could have been a hall of famer and it changed the Packers I mean they might have won a Super Bowl if he was healthy Go back to the Tampa Bay loss in the NFC Championship game. If he's healthy, they didn't have, they wouldn't have had to shuffle the offensive line. Yeah. Would have changed that game. They might have won a Super Bowl that year. So it's a shame, and and you know the time it's cost him is it, it's horrible what he's gone through. But you know it's a business, and I I think they are going to move on. But I don't think it's anything to get worked up about right now until it's actually official, and it may not be official for a while because he's probably got to show that he can pass a physical for them to be able to do anything with his contract. Yeah, that's true too. We don't we don't know those type of stipulations, so it's hard to right. say what keeps him there, what doesn't. You know, all the the different points of leverage. What I would say for those who are trying to be optimists about. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. Because I'm that guy. Like, I want David Bakhtiari to come back. Uh, until he's not back, I believe he's coming back. Um, but I want to back that up with with real thoughts, right? Not just, uh, just hopes and dreams. Um, when this second injury, there was clearly some sort of re-injury, some sort of event or whatever. When that happened, he got information about it. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't, but he did. And the team did, too. And he very quickly, and I brought this up before, and I've said this, if you want to know what's going on, pay attention to the things that players say that they don't have to say. He was very forward on Twitter telling someone, the goal is to be back next season for training camp. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't need to say that. He could have very, even if there's a question about, oh, we don't know, or this is really bad, or, you know... Anything like that, because we're all operating under, we don't know. We don't have any information, so we, as humans, default to the worst, right? Oh, he's done. No way, right? He's been injured for so long, there's no possible way he could come back healthy. Let's First of all, look at the Bears game. He played awesome in the Bears game, and that Bears defense ended up being good. Um, So 
When he was out there, he was back. He was the guy again. If he got information about his injury when it happened that was like, look, man, this thing just keeps happening. We just don't know if we can fix you. I don't think he ever would have said to anybody, the goal is to be back next training camp. Because he, he's not – like there's some guys that are sort of like that that thick head, like optimist, like I'm going to do it until I can't, right? I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's the guy that's like, I don't care if they say it can't happen. I'm just going to will it into existence, you know, like his buddy Aaron. Maybe he is. Um, but I, I just think you got to pay attention to these things. It was very early on that he said that. And they have more information than we do. And I, you know, I know that in the, the Goody press conference at the end of the season, he came out and was like, well, we, we haven't started working on that yet, but he was very forthcoming about we're keeping the other guys. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's where you, it's more related to the stipulations in the contract, right? Like, look, maybe we can't pay him what we need, you know, what we're scheduled to pay him this year, but maybe we know that he's got a chance to be healthy like he does, and we're all willing to make this work. He's made a ton of money from the Packers. This guy doesn't need to go off and make a ton of money next year to to justify playing. You can you, know, you pay attention to him. The guy wants to win a championship. He sounds to me like a guy that he doesn't care what he makes at this point. He's made a lot of money. Uh, his family is taken care of plenty of times over. You know what I mean? And I think he just wants to come back at this point and be able yeah. to play football. Yeah. And like the money, like even if they cut him loose, he's, I can't imagine he's going to go out there and get a big contract. Like whoever's going to sign him is going to sign him to a cheap deal or he's got to prove that he can stay healthy. No, like, I, that's where I lean go. towards they Maybe have more information than we do. You know what I mean? Could be. Um, we'll see. We'll all find out as, as we speculate after I said, it's not worth speculating. (laughs) Shame on us. We're not Matt Schneidman though. So no, no aggregators are going to pick this up and run with it as some sort of, uh, gospel truth. But I, again, it is just kind of a, a good practice to pay attention to the things that players say that they don't have to say, you know, when they offer up information voluntarily, usually there's something to it. Um, and, you know, if the Packers had some sort of devastating information about his injury, they probably could have moved on and tried to trade him whenever the Jets were super desperate. You know what I mean? A little, little bait and switch there. Um, but who knows? We're going to find out probably by training camp, if I had to guess. That's probably when we get uh, the next update. Um, so I, let's let's jump over to the comments real quick. I, I wanted to bring up another one related to we talked to uh, we talked about the Christian Watson injuries and and the new um, strength and conditioning coach and, and uh, Andy Bears fan Andy is back with uh, a, a real question. What happens with uh, Watson if he doesn't get healthy? Uh, do they try to trade him next offseason? I think that's a fair question, but it's there's just so much that would have to happen between now and then. It's just not really even worth speculating as we just get done speculating about David Bakhtiari after saying it's not worth speculating about. Um, but you've got to find out this offseason what the deal is with the hamstrings. And, you know, Tim, you brought up Christian Watson – or I'm sorry, not Christian uh, – Christian McCaffrey – having injury issues in Carolina and then going to the 49ers. He takes a beating for the 49ers and has stayed healthy. Yeah, he does. Christian Watson has had a uh, a healthy career before the Packers. You know, it's it, it's easy to say, oh, they drafted another injury-prone dude. No. no, man, 
he played a lot of games at like 50 uh, games yeah college. he played 50 games there in college he, he didn't miss time in high school according to uh his dad who uh, is a good follow on twitter um i don't know how to look up high school information i'm not willing to dig that deep <laughs> but i'll take his dad's word for it um and so you know his dad being an nfl uh athlete as well so this wasn't a problem before the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I've got to believe that you can get back to that, that you can figure out what the problem is and you can solve it. And they're throwing all their resources at it right now. They've, they've, they've said that he's down there in Madison working with the hospitals on, on stuff with the hamstrings and whatever. And now they got this new strength and conditioning coach who, again, the, the spotlight is on him because of Christian Watson. So, um, I got to believe they get that question answered this season and you move on. But yeah, I mean, if he, if he goes off and, and, you know, tears an ACL or some kind of unrelated injury, do you just trade him next off season? I don't think so. I, I think that yeah. you, this is just the game, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta hope for the best, but every player has that risk of injury when you go out there and you know, if, okay, you go back out you trot him out again and he's got the hamstring issues again, it just it it would it would be hard for me to look at the player and blame it on him, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I no, I don't think if we're sitting, you know, next year, that they would be looking to trade him or get rid of him, even if he has an injured injury prone season again. Um, I just think they're going to do everything they can to get him healthy, whether that you know, and hopefully that's next season, twenty twenty four. And if it's not, I think they try again, and you know, I don't think they're going to give up on him until they would absolutely have to give up on him. So I think they're going to do everything possible. It's a guy they obviously really like to take him in the second round, to trade up and take him in the second round. They really like him. They see a ton of potential with him. We've seen some of it, right? It's not like he hasn't shown something. It's there. They love him as a player. So I think they're going to do everything they possibly can to get him healthy. And that starts, like you said, this offseason. He's going to get checked out at, at Madison and... Hopefully they can figure out what's going on. I think the new strength coach is part of that. Um, so yeah, they're they're going to do everything they can to keep him healthy. I don't think there's any chance that they're going to look to move on from him anytime soon. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. Now that's <laughs> you could have a, a stud fall to you in this draft. And like I said, there's going to be some fun receiver uh, talk uh, as the draft comes uh, a little bit closer. Um, you, you have no idea who's going to fall to you there, but it's very realistic that in the first, second round, their receiver is best player available and they have to go with them when you've got that much talent there. And then somebody next year comes along and offers you a ridiculous amount for a player that you can't keep on the field. Yeah. I mean, maybe you wave the white flag and go, all right, maybe somebody else can, can solve these hamstring issues and we'll take the compensation that makes sense. But I just... I don't think that's nearly as likely as them actually figuring this thing out and getting him on the field. Because you've seen what he, he can do when he's on the field. Yeah. He He's proven that. You know, We don't need to worry about that. We need to just get him out there to see what he can do. Yeah, or to him let him keep doing it, I should say. Yeah. Um, They're taking and, the important steps to try to get him healthy. You can see how much of a concern it is to the Packers and how important it is to them to get him healthy. So. Absolutely. And, and yeah, they've got the resources. They should be able to figure it out. But we we got another question uh, from Jeff Jopek. Jeff, I'm sorry if I didn't say your last name correctly, but he says trade up and uh, get Brock Bowers. That that'll be a fun conversation to have because 
I mean, you have two really good tight ends, but man, why not a third? Um, That would be a fun conversation to have, but I just, I I don't think that they, you know, if you're going to trade up and get somebody, I don't think it'll be tight end number three. No. Um, I love the player. He's a great player, but beast. I love Luke Musgrave and, and, um, Tucker Craft, geez, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Musgrave and Craft, I love them both. So yeah, that's ain't gonna happen. Tough dudes. But, hey, yeah. you know, if he fell to him, you know, a twenty-five, that would be an interesting debate. I still don't think they take a tight end, but I think the scenario there, if somehow they decide, all right, well, Brock Bowers is the best player available. Let's get him. It's got to be like they're sitting there at twenty-five. He's dropped to like nineteen. Or something mm-hmm. like that. You're like, all right, you know, kind of the Jordan Love situation. All right, well, he's the last first round grade we got. Let's go get him. Yeah. Um, and what what a luxury to have, you know, three amazing tight ends. You're gonna have to like develop a whole new offense for that. But uh yeah. why not? That'd be an awesome problem to have. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I love the player. I don't think that's happening though. Yeah. But um all right, well let's jump into the the draft side of things. That was sort of a, a good transition for us there. Um there's not much more to get into about the off season except for a bunch of unnecessary speculation, which we've already done. Um happy to do a little bit of that every now and then. Uh but let's let's jump in. Do you want to uh talk about the edge guys first or should we talk about the tackles first? It's up to you. I mean I'm fine starting with the edge guys. All right, let's let's jump out on the edge guys, and then we'll, we'll talk about who's going to stop them. Yeah, so last week we went through the guys who were likely first-round picks, and um, just want to touch on a few more who probably aren't first-round picks, but maybe one or two of them could still sneak in there. Um, and again, doing this before we have actual height, accurate hat, height and weight for these guys, all their athletic testing numbers, which are incredibly important, especially an edge rusher for the Packers, because they're just – they're not going to take guys who are outside of that threshold for edge rushers. They may for other positions occasionally, but they just really don't do that at edge, um, especially early in a draft. So we're going to dive back into edge later on and throughout the draft process once we have accurate testing numbers because none of these guys have been tested yet. Right. Having said that, we can at least go on what we've seen from some of the you know some of the um, future draftees that are going to be out there and kind of see like where they may fit in if they fit in with the Packers or not and kind of, you know, rounds or, or days on the draft where they may be um, potential options. And I'm going to start, um, I'm a Penn state fan too. So I'm going to start with a couple of Penn state guys. Here we go. Chop Robinson. Um, who, if you just look at the stat line, you're going to say you're crazy. Why would we ever draft them? There's not much production as far as sacks go. He wasn't a big sack guy, but there are reasons for that. One is, Penn State rotates their defensive ends a ton. Um, so his snaps were more limited, especially he played two years at Penn State. He was a transfer from Maryland. So he was behind some guys the first year, so which would have been his, what, sophomore year. Um, played a little more as a junior. But still, they rotate him heavily. And especially this last season, they were in a lot of blowouts. So he was coming out of games. They didn't have to play him a ton. They had several games where their defense just – they weren't on the field for very many snaps at all. So he didn't have a ton of opportunities. Could he have had more production? Yeah, absolutely he could have. But there were some games where he – go back and watch the Iowa game. He just blows up offensive lines. He has a ton of upside, but he is very raw. 
Um, but the physical gifts, he can get off the line of scrimmage. He's fast. He can bend. He can be a game wrecker. Doesn't play the run real well, um, but he, you know, he can make splash plays, but he's just not a consistent down-to-down player. There's a lot that he needs to learn and work on, um, but all the tools are there. And he's a guy like, I'm going to go through some other names. I think he could be a first round guy because he's going to test very well. Um, but if he's not, he's definitely a second day guy for sure. Would he be a Packer fit? I think that's going to one depend on the testing. Um, he is a little light too, but if he, you know, if he weighs 250, 255, 260, that might be fine for them, especially depending on how, what Halfley wants in his ends. He's a developmental guy. Um, he's not a guy that's going to come in right away and be a starter or, or, you know, have a huge impact in, in year one, most likely. But man, he's got some tools where when he's on and he's out there, make like he can wreck a game. Um, and he would be a really nice piece to have behind Gary and Preston and, and Lucas Van Ness to develop. So love him. His teammate on the other side, Adissa Isaac, doesn't have the ceiling of Chop Robinson but he was probably a more consistent player down to down. Um, he's more of a violent player too, Isaac, but he's a guy that I think is probably second, third round. Again, he probably will test well. Penn state usually trains their guys real well and they have some good athletes there. So you may see some really good testing numbers. Um, but again, he, he's not the kind of the splash play impact player that chop Robinson could be but he's just more consistent down to down. I like him a lot. Um, another kid from Western Michigan who's popped up and, uh, and has had a good off season going throughout the, um, I believe he was at the senior bowl or shrine bowl. Um, Marshawn Nealon, like him. He's about 275, long arms, plays violent, um, plays physical, has a nonstop motor and they moved him around a little bit. He stood up, he put his hand in the ground. So that's kind of something to look at too, because we're not sure exactly how they're going to play their edge rushers in the new system, but he has, he has experience doing both. And um, he's a bigger guy too, who they like on the edge. So yeah, he's from Western Michigan. So the, you know, he didn't have great competition there all the time. Um, But I think he's got a ton of tools and he's, and he's long like they like. So um He's one to keep an eye on probably second day as well. Another one, Braylon Trice from Washington. Ooh, yeah. That dude had a ton of production. If you go back and look at his pressure numbers through the roof, I believe he had the most um, back-to-back seasons or among the most the last two seasons in Division One. Bigger guys around 270. Um, I don't know what his athletic score is going to be. He doesn't seem like he's quite the athlete as some of the, you know, first round guys are going to be, or even like a chop Robinson who I talked about, but the production has been there. He can rush off the edge. He uses his hands. Well, um, obviously, you know, coming from Washington, they played some real good competition, um, not just in the pac 12, but he, he saw it in the playoffs against Texas and Michigan yeah. um, and just extremely productive. Um, but I'll be interested to see like, does, the athletic score matchup because if it does, then I definitely think he's somebody the Packers could look at. If the athletic score is not there, but the production is, then it becomes like that. You know, yeah, that not. we've seen it on the field, but we know how much they like the testers. So those are just a few guys. There's a couple guys from Michigan, um, and Michigan, you know, had a deep defensive line, so their production numbers weren't as good either. But they rotate so many, and again, they had a lot of games where they weren't playing a whole lot in the second half because of the score. 
Um, so McGregor is one of them. Braden McGregor, I think is his first name. And then um, Jalen Harrell is another one from Michigan. He's a little bit undersized, so I don't know if he would meet the Packers, you know, height and weight thresholds that they have. Um, also, Austin Booker. He's another – and he's going to be an interesting one. He goes to Kansas. He may end up being a day three guy. He came out early, which is interesting. He he didn't play a whole lot of snaps, about 500 snaps in college, and I think like 95% of them were just this season. Mm. Not a whole lot, but he's tall. He's long. He's a little light. He's probably about 245, so they, they usually like their edge guys a little bigger, but maybe he bulks up for the combine. Who knows? Or maybe they just see this tall, long athlete that they feel they can get in a weight room and bulk him up. Um, Barry Raw, obviously, didn't play a ton in college. Basically, played one year on the field. But he may be a developmental guy they look at on day three, depending on, again, what his testing numbers are. So that's just some early, you know, day two into day three guys that I kind of like that have popped off in my early research of checking out these edge guys. Um, And, you know, it's hard to say right now. There's some guys I like in the first round. I wouldn't say it's a, a very deep edge draft, um, but there's some interesting, and I think the Packers are in a good spot where they don't need somebody there. You can bring in guys that you need to develop that maybe have certain tools right now, but they need to develop other tools in their toolkit because they don't have to play right away. They can slide in and be your, like your fourth edge rusher and, and get that development in the first year. Um, but yeah, I think there's some guys that would be worth taking shots on um, throughout the second day and into the third day. Something I'm curious about is, you know, there's there's now a line, right, that, that has kind of changed with the defense because you used to be a 3-4, now you're a 4-3. And a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't matter. Most people play nickel. Here's the thing is it does matter as far as filling your roster out because now instead of, you know, three down linemen, and and two edge rushers, you've got four down linemen and two outside linebackers, you know, stand up linebackers in the base uh, roster. So, I, as we look at the size and sort of the type, I, I look at this, you know, Chop Robinson. I'm like, you know, that might be an undersized guy for a three four edge rusher, but for a four three outside linebacker who also needs to cover, um, maybe he's not. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be that guy that's going to drop but okay, so you I mean, think he's hand in dirt he's hand in dirt go get the quarterback yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah so undersized in, for that so he's a little undersized for that but again like i've seen him listed at 250 maybe by the combine you know they have him at 255 260 then i think it's more in the packers range if he's 245 250 then yeah he's probably not going to be an option there yeah okay that's going to be interesting. I, I think that's really something to pay attention to when that that position uh, comes around and you have some of these guys who might be best player available. Um, if 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 we're on the clock here at, at 41, say pick, it's pick 41, right, um, in the second round, and you got uh, Trice has fallen and Robinson's available, who are you taking? Oh, God. Catch my, I'll pretend like you I'm not a Penn State fan, so I'll take that out of it. Um, <laughs> Robinson or Trice, right? Because you're fate, you're in and yeah. out, right? Yeah, Robinson um, or Trice. Robinson or Trice. You're on the board at 41. 
and that's tough. I, I if you could, if Robin, so I would maybe lean that way and just take the shot on on hoping you hit the home run with him. All right, there it is. Well, let's start. Let's let's talk a little bit about the guys that have to stop these guys. Some some offensive tackles. And same disclaimer, we're going to circle back on these guys, and we're going to you know once we have some of the athletic profiles, we'll talk a little bit more in detail about who's more of a fit and who's not. And just to give you an idea, when you're looking these things up, you can find a guy listed at six four somewhere, and then in different places, the same guys listed at six yeah. six. Um, doesn't seem like a big deal. Uh, but they're just variances all over the place. Um, three fifteen to three thirty. It's like that's a that's a variance. Yeah. So we can only do so much with what you can see on the field. Um, and again, we're talking some day two guys now. Um, we might look a little bit at the end of. Nah, we're talking day two guys. Um, so we'll get deeper. We'll we'll take a look in like day three maybe after the combine um, because that's definitely where you need those athletic uh, profiles to be completed. But we got a few guys here that I will call out. The first one is, you know, I, I was talking about last week, um, you know, this, there's still some question marks here, but Kiran uh, Amagaji, Amagaji, um, <laughs> the kid from Yale, he looks great, man. When you watch the film and you try, like I watched him and then I went and watched Joe Alt and I went back and watched him and there is not much difference. They move very, very similarly. Um, the biggest difference is who they're moving against, <laughs> right? Joe Alt is playing against, you know, Ohio state and, and those types of guys. Yale didn't play anybody. Um, Princeton was the one where I was like, maybe maybe they had a, a tough game. I pulled up Princeton. He wasn't playing against Princeton. So, or maybe I missed it. I didn't see him out there. Um, so there's question marks. How does he look against the tougher guys? But against who he played against, he looks as good as it gets. Um, he, he just didn't look tested. You know what I mean? He, he didn't look like a guy that really struggled at all. Um, against his competition, he moves very well. Uh, for a guy who's six five, probably three eighteen to three twenty five, somewhere in there, um, moves very very well. A aggressive run blocker, uh, smooth pass blocker. I think the one thing that I would watch for is the explosion out of his stance, and that's something that if you go back and watch David Bakhtiari, the best of the best here. Uh, Man, does he explode out of his stance? You know, like he he jumps out of that stance, and that's why he's so effective. Is it's impossible for pass rushers to get a jump on him. He just doesn't ever have to. This kid against all the competition, you know, the Ivy League, he never has to jump out of his stance. He just it's a nice smooth shuffle, and nobody beats him. He he's just a mauler. So. It'll be really interesting. This is one that, you know, right now, um, PFF's got him at 42. I'm trying to see where Dane Brugler had him. Um, but he's an impressive kid. And Dane Brugler, he's got him at 58. 
Yeah, he's got him at 58. So this is a kid who, who definitely should be there probably in the second round. Um, he, I don't think he drops to the third. I don't think he gets to the third. Just the way he moves. He's an athlete. When, a guy at that size moving the way that he does, the coaches will say we can coach him to, to work against NFL athletes. Um, so I don't think he gets to the third round, but second round, that could be a hell of a pick right there. Depth at tackle also looks like he's got the athleticism and aggression to move in to guard, uh, and be a great run blocker. Um, he's, you know, he's not too big. He's not too small. Uh, so that's one I really would keep an eye on for the Packers. He, He just, he looks like a goody guy to me. Um, I saw somebody earlier uh, put up a, a profile of the Georgia tackle of Marius Mims is thinking he's a goody guy. And I just got to say, guys, he is not. <laughs> he is not a goody guy. <laughs> um, too big, too much of a question mark. Um, just he doesn't look like he has the versatility to go across the line and play guard. Uh, just doesn't look like the guy. But anyway, I digress. Didn't he only play like eight games or something like only that? Only played eight games. Like, yeah. Yeah, so that's he's just got too many question marks, and he will be taken before the Packers would see that value, right? That guy, he probably will go in the first round. The upside is there, um, if not early in the second round. Um, but I just that's not a guy I'd see the Packers going after. Um, one that I would watch for, as we you know, like I said, we're talking about that pick at forty-one, um, Kingsley Suamatai. I was going to ask you about him. Uh, yeah, this guy, I'm sorry about the last name there again, this guy athletic, looks like he has the versatility, uh, that the Packers look for, um, just an illustration of that. He, he played damn near 50, 50 on uh, left tackle to right tackle is uh 51% at right tackle, 48.8% at left tackle. So, um, when you talk about a guy, you know, that is a goody guy, that's a goody guy, uh, 1300 snaps at offensive tackle that's a lot of snaps you know that that's what you're looking for um so that's one that i would keep an eye on there again at that 41 pick i just we don't see him taking one in the first round i think at 25 assuming they stay at 25 best player available is probably not a tackle for them at that point um, but that 41 pick, there is a ton of value that I think you could, that could be in play there on the offensive line for him. Uh, Kingsley, uh, out of, <laughs> out of BYU, I'm not going to go after the last name out of okay. BYU is, is definitely one of them that, that just jumps off the page as a Packers guy. Um, another one, and this one, he could be a little bit later. Uh, Brugler's got him ranked at 55 as far as overall, um, I think he's a guy that could get into the third round maybe, but he's athletic as all get out. The Houston uh, tackle, Patrick Paul. Uh, he is listed a little bit bigger, that 6'7", 330. It's about the same size as that Georgia tackle, so it's a little bit bigger than you'd want. Um, but he's athletic. He he doesn't play like he's that big. He looks like he he plays around like 6'5", 325. Um He's athletic. When I talk about that explosion out of his stance that you didn't really see from uh, the kid from Yale, he has that. If you go back and you watch the film against uh, Texas, he jumps out of his stance sometimes. And that 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 movement, he's a mauler. 
he's one of those guys that I think that you could you could see him get uh, taken up there in the second round by the Packers as well. Good depth, um, and probably I don't know about the versatility to go in at guard. I haven't really looked that deep into him, but um, the athleticism that he shows on the page, I would imagine he can. Um, so yeah, that those few guys, and then another one who is a little bit later. Um, Ah, you know what? I, I forgot to mention this one too. Graham Barton out of Duke. I was just going to ask you that because yeah, that one he played left tackle in college, but I see he's projected because he doesn't have the length um, to be an inside guy, whether a guard or a center. Right, and he—that's one I—I I wasn't even sure to bring him up in this one. Um, and actually, Dane Brugler doesn't have him listed as a tackle. He's got him moving yeah, inside. He's center. Um. I was actually going to save this one for when we talk about more interior line center, but he is one. He's, he's that kind of guy. Like, again, you look for the guy who's got versatility. Can he play tackle? Can that. he play guard? They love that. So that is a guy, you know, PFF's got him ranked at 45. Let me jump over and see where Brugler's got him ranked. Um, let's see here. Dang, he's not even. Oh, he's he's putting him at center, isn't he? Yeah, twenty seventh. He's got okay, twenty seventh. So he might not get out of the the first round. Um, that's again, that's that value there at forty one. I think there's a lot of offensive line value. So we'll get more into Graham Barton um, when we talk interior line. We'll do some justice there. But uh, as as long as we're talking tackles. Um, you know those few that we've talked about there, and then there's one more. Like I was, I was about to jump to this one. Blake Fisher out of Notre Dame. So the opposite, Joe Alt. He looked pretty good, you know. And Joe Alt steals the spotlight there um, for Notre Dame because he's pretty stinking good. He just he definitely yeah. has has warranted yeah. that. Um, but Fisher's pretty good, and he's again he's got that size that, that he plays very athletic, six six three twelve. Um, so he's a guy that you can see him moving from tackle to guard. Uh, that's that's the, the guys that I would look for right there is the type of guy, um, smart guy. And, you know, one of the things that Brugler says about him, he's got his best football ahead of him. And those are the types of guys that the Packers look for. You know, Zach Tom is is that type of guy. When the Packers drafted him, I think somebody said that about him. It's like he, his best football is ahead of him. Um so yeah, those are the guys that I would look for right now as far as tackles concerned in that first you know couple days. Um, we'll get deeper into it as as the uh, off season presses on, but just some names to keep an eye on. But yeah, like I, you'll notice, we didn't talk much about Joe Alt or uh, Olu Fashanu. Did I get that right, Fashanu? Yeah, he's your so. Penn State guy. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, or or J.C. Latham or uh, Fuaga out of Oregon State. We didn't get any of those guys because those guys aren't going to be there. And I, I hate to be that guy because I I do criticize yeah. that guy on Twitter a lot. Um, these guys are really really good. Um, they're going probably top fifteen, top twenty. I don't see Goody trading up for them. If there's a situation where one of these guys falls into that 20 to 25 range. They might hang around for that kind of value depending on where they've got them ranked. But when you watch these guys, 
these are guys that, that teams ahead of them are going to need, they're going to want. I think they're going top 15, top 20. So we didn't spend a lot of time on them. They're incredible athletes, great players, just didn't see them um, getting to the Packers. So that's, that's kind of where we're at with the offensive tackle position so far. Oof, man. <laughs> a little long-winded there. Um, but I will say, this draft class is a fun one to look at. I, I, it's, there's a lot of talent across the board um you know we're i'm kind of making my own big board just kind of based on the experts that i listen to i'm i'm an aggregator uh, i guess at this point um but we're, we're gonna have some real fun talking about the receivers uh the dbs i think those are going to be really fun positions to talk about there's a few good tight ends worth talking about, though. I don't know that you know that's worth our time because again, we're going to try to spend our time on the positions we think that the Packers will take. Um, you know, and then uh, the interior O line. I think there's some guys worth talking about there that the Packers will be looking yeah. at. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of fun to, to to have here. There's a lot of talent coming out of this draft. It's a deep draft. The quarterback conversation, I think, is one that that we we will make some time for just for the heck of it to have some fun with it um, because there are plenty of names worth talking about there. Um, but any well, other draft thoughts here, sir, before we uh, let it go? Yeah. With the quarterbacks, I mean, we're probably going to see one or maybe even two of them taken by our divisional rivals. Yeah. So yeah. it's worth at least, you know, discussing a little bit because future opponents, we're going to be seeing a lot of them. Our friend Andy, man, he's he's in hell over there in, in Packers or in Bears land. I'm sorry, the Packers do own Bears land. I, I, a little Freudian slip there, mm. um, but yeah, yeah, the Bears fans are in hell this offseason. So don't forget that Packers fans, you know, check on your fellow Bears fan. Uh, they need it. You know, they they don't they don't know where they're going. They don't know if they're sticking with their guy, if they're going with this new guy, if this new guy's even gonna be good. Are they gonna repeat the same cursed? decisions that they've they've had historically oh man just so just enjoy this guys we we, we've got jordan love we got another franchise qb we got a lot of receivers for him to throw to some great tight ends maybe an all-time great franchise running back but when he's all said and done he's certainly approaching those levels so uh yeah you know we'll, we'll debate a little bit about what off offensive line pieces get added i guess (laughs) It's nice uh, not to have to talk about quarterbacks. It's, it's very nice not to have to talk about quarterbacks. So we're going to have fun with that when we do get around to it here in a few weeks. But we're also going to have a guest join us uh, to talk about running backs, receivers, DBs, linebackers, um, somebody who has played and coached the positions um, and actually coached some some folks that you all might know. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of fun to be had ahead here. We're going to have a good offseason, Packers fans. But, uh, Tim, any other thoughts about the draft? No, but it's – I mean, it's going to start getting ramped up next week with the combine starting. So, yeah, you know, we're still a couple months away, but all the talk's going to start hitting even faster now once the combine starts and, and – um, we start finding out more about these players and everybody starts looking deeper into it. So it'll be fun. It will be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, so keep an eye on the combine. A lot of things w- will get determined at the combine. I know a lot of folks sort of roll their eyes at that, but um, like we're saying here, the Packers and Goot, they've, they've got a very strict athletic um, framework that they stick with. Yep. Um so there will be guys that fall in and out of that criteria based on their combine results, pro day results. 
Um, but yeah, so stay tuned. There's there's going to be some things to be learned from that. It'll be fun to watch, guys. See if anybody breaks the forty record. That's always fun to watch for. Um, we'll see who who throws. It's always kind of interesting to see what quarterbacks decide to sit out. Uh, I I will say I, I don't think we see Caleb Williams. He seems like one that'll prefer to stay at his pro day and control everything. Yeah. Um, hard to predict any of the others, but. Yeah, it'll it'll be exciting, man. I, I the, the combine's always kind of fun to watch. I always enjoy it. Um, you know, so keep an eye out there, Packers fans. We'll have one more episode before the combine next week because it does start on Tuesday. We got uh, Monday night next week coming back, so we'll get a little bit more into the draft then. Maybe have a little bit more information about our strength and conditioning coach. Maybe talk a little bit more about free agency. Um, there's all sorts of stuff to get into. We're not short on it yet. We're not to that real desert just awful part of the offseason yet there's still plenty to have fun with and talk about so i hope y'all will come back thank y'all for hanging out with us this week on the packers weekly podcast part of packerstalk.com network um check us out on all the socials spike that like button for us um give us a follow all that stuff that is free take seconds and really helps us out quite a bit and we will see y'all next week packers fans go pack go